Hello and welcome to Yes Sir I Can Brewery. Well, I said boogie then, that's not correct, is it? Episode 5, I'm going to say, Mike, I've already lost count. Oh, God, who knows? Who knows? Let's gloss over it and any 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 copyright issues. Okay, wonderful. I'm Robin Ox, that's Michael Miller. Hello. And this is the podcast where we discuss our brewery, Binde Brewing Company, and our progress and how things are going from starting from nothing to making a actual physical brewery, hopefully, in the very near future. Right, what's where are we by? What's our latest our latest news? S S forty three beer. Um what where are we with that? Oh, it's going really well. I don't have the uh the latest stats at the moment. Uh Alex, our marketing man, has been the S forty three has been moving house and as we know, that's a deeply stressful experience. So he uh, is getting it those really to us at some point. But really excitingly, though, we've seen a lot of our beers turning up in craft beer shops and off-licenses um, uh, around the country, which is brilliant, the length and breadth of the country. So that's really exciting and actually particularly pertinent to the people we're speaking to today as well. So lots of pictures coming through uh, of our beers on shelves and in fridges, which is really, really exciting. Wonderful, wonderful stuff indeed. So it's still available at, at the S43 website, going quickly, but um, still some available, and it's available around the universe, or the country anyway. Um, as Mike says, it was on tap at the Murderers in Norwich and sold out in three days. So go quick. Uh, if you want to get some, we should also say in housekeeping, this podcast, uh, we've made the executive decision today to make it an audio-only podcast, Quite a simple reason being that it takes about a day to edit the video of it and it takes about 30 minutes to edit the audio. So we're just going to do the audio option going forward. So if you're watching it on YouTube, well, you won't have heard this because it's not on YouTube. So if you're here, you've already worked it out. <laughs> if you're hearing this on YouTube, something's gone something's wrong. Something's gone very wrong. Um, so there we go. Okay, um, super stuff. Um, now, Mike, with, for today's podcast, you've been um, on the... Uh, the glorious spreadsheet of glory, um, haven't you, that you've been creating. Mike's been creating a, a spreadsheet of people who get in touch with offering services. And this is proof that we are, that, that is a real thing, that we actually actually lead to things, because that's where our guest today is from, isn't it? Yeah, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not some great lie. Uh, the golden spreadsheet of glory is working its magic. Yeah, these are the people who got in touch with us offering our services. And one such person is... Uh, Thomas or Tom saw. We need to establish whether he's a Thomas or a Tom. But uh, he works for Servizium Wholesale, and they distribute beers to pubs. And Tom got in touch, offering help with stuff like that. And as Robbie, you just said, we had our beer on taps. In on taps, well, technically it was two taps. Anyway, on on tap uh, at the Murderers, and that's really exciting, getting our beers into a pub. And that's what these guys kind of do for a living. So, Tom, who works with his dad at Servizium, we're going to talk to them about how beers magically appear in pubs and on shelves in fridges, like we were saying just now, and how we can really get in on that. Wonderful stuff. Very exciting indeed. Uh, let's go without any further ado. Uh, further what? What's the word? Further uh, ado. 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 Is that right? Further ado? Ado. That doesn't sound right. It probably is. Without... Well, we've just had some ado. I think it's one of those so things. Get beyond the ado. You know, it's, no, it's one of those things, you know, there's lots of words in the English language. If you say them over and over again, they just sound ridiculous. And I think if you say ado, ado, ado enough times, then you're not going to believe it's a real thing. Yeah, I said bungalow quite a lot the other day. Just some NFT chat I was having. And by the end, I was going, I'm sure the word isn't bungalow anymore. I'm sure it is. <laughs> anyway, let's go talk to Tom Saw and his dad. 
Hey, welcome Tom, welcome Richard. Nice to meet you. Hello, hello, hello. Um, so, oh so first question I suppose is, how do you guys end up working together? And is, is working father and son a good idea in the first place? Uh, not if you live in the same house. Um, <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, a couple of weeks back I did move out and it, it's got better since. Um, but yes. I, I know, Rich, you're being very quiet on this. Every, every minute seemed to be um, weird conversation. There was there was always something. It meant, it meant that things got addressed quickly, but um, you were never away from work. So uh, you know, now to be able to sit down and uh, relax is quite good. So you guys, you guys are uh, you do lots of different things, and we'll talk about the wholesaling. We'll talk about the micropub in a second. How did you guys end up working together in the first place? Well, basically, I ended up starting a, a micro pub. Um, I'd worked in pubs, I'd worked in breweries, and I thought I fancy doing this for myself rather than working for somebody else. So we uh, fell on a property that was suitable for a micro pub. Uh, we started that and it got really busy. So dad started helping behind the bar. Um, and then I kind of missed the, the brewery side of things. And without starting a brewery, because um, obviously you're experiencing the costs of that now, we thought, how can we have a bit of that without actually having a brewery? So we thought oh, wholesaling seems good. We buy a lot of wholesalers for the pub. Um, if we if we can do a bit of that, it seems enjoyable. So uh, yeah, so dad came in and we run it between us. And how did you first start that up? Was it was it daunting when you first started wholesaling when you put put your first orders in, uh, or were you fine with it? Having I worked, I worked in sales for a, a couple of different breweries, so I already knew quite a few landlords locally um, or licensees. Um, so. I kind of went to them first and said, if we do this, will you buy beer from us? And they all seemed to say yes. Um, some of them haven't since they've said yes. Um, but that, that's just life, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, we was, I was fairly confident before we started that we'd, we'd sell the beer that we bought. Um, and we made sure we bought good beer. Nice. I think one of the other things was as well that we, we were wanting beers for, for you know for ourselves um and one of the best ways to get that was to buy a pallet full at a time um so we'd approach three or four places to say if we buy this do you want half of it do you want this um and we were just doing it um out of goodwill and friendship with, with those people um and then we thought well there's a business opportunity in this so we pushed it a little bit further wonderful and has it all been going well since you started uh, well, we started in August of last year, so as you can imagine, um, it was very, very difficult. <laughs> we uh, we didn't anticipate the lockdown being as long as it was. Um, but as from April this year, it's steadily grown. Um, our, our customers are coming back to us. Uh, we're now you know, having pallets delivered every week um, from different breweries and, and moving them around better, yeah. So are you... You kind of you sort of beginning to answer the question I'm about to ask, but could you just sort of explain in sort of simple terms what is it a beer wholesaler does? Uh, so basically, we we will approach a brewery, or sometimes a brewery approaches us um, for us to stock its beer, and we will buy uh, in in bulk uh, effectively. So normally, eighteen casks or kegs or a mixture on a pallet sometimes 36 which with two pallets 
um, that gets shipped to us through the, just the national pallet network because most in any industry it gets shipped around the country various products um, it comes into us we then put it into our cold store um, we then list it on our mailing list which goes out to uh, lots of pubs on Fridays and Mondays they order from the list we break the pallets down uh, and distribute the beer um, to the pubs within the week they order it See, so yeah it's, uh, it's fairly simple <laughs> so people can thank you for beer coming out of the taps when they go to the pub uh, partly yes Yeah. We, we like to uh, we've got this thing about the beers that we, we select so um, if we walk into a bar um, and see a nice beer lineup, you know, we, we get excited about that. So we want to provide that for our clients to be able to pick a really nice selection of beers from one place, um, you know, and their customers are going to get that feeling when then they walk in. Can I ask a bit about your your cold store? Because that's something that we're, we're talking about, about at the minute sort of thing, because we're trying to work out the best way for us to... Um, to brew beer using someone else's facilities to start with, and then and then um, store it and get it out, sort of thing. How? Do, tell me about your your premises. What is it? and How did you find it? So it's a it's a light industrial unit. Um, I can't quite remember the square footage. It's not it's not massive by any any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's effectively a walk-in fridge. Um, it's eight degrees. Um, we can roll pallets in and out of it. We can generally get about 120 casks in there if we stack them correctly and are quite neat about it. Um, and there's, it there's a lot of lifting goes on, um, and it, it just keeps the beer cold and stops in the in the summer months. It's it's essential. Yeah. Um, beer will start to turn in cask within a couple of days, um, and you can start to have ones that go pop and end up with beer all over the floor. I've had a couple that have done that in the van. Um, which isn't isn't nice to mop out, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh... It's going to say a little worrying if you're driving along and there's a massive bang in the back of your van, right? Yeah, it, it does. It does scare you. I once we once had a van with no bulkhead between the driver and the uh, and the the beer in the back, and I had one go pop on the A1. Um, decided to drench me in the driver's seat. That was that was quite entertaining. That's that's our next investment to buy a van with a cold store. Um, unit in it, or just a nice, no, or a shower head. <laughs> <laughs> Either or, yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, we're no stranger to exploding beer in the early um, home brewing yeah. days, so yeah. <laughs> I can understand the the hassle of, of clearing up a keg rather than one bottle, um, or a cask. Sorry, one one bottle. Was that not also on the A one? Is it something to do with the A one? Uh, it might. It was up towards Leicester. So it's probably M one. Yeah. So. Still yeah. dangerous places to um, be carrying anything compressed. Just to warn anyone who's on the A1 yeah. or M1. Yeah. Seems to be the Midlands. The Midlands in general. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a it's an explodey place. It's an explodey place. Um, what was um, the coal store? Was it there when you got the light industrial unit, or was did you have to build that? No, we've had, we've had to build it. Um, so we built it out of timber and Celatex. Um, and then, uh, fortunately, a company on our in our estate does refrigeration, um, so they came in and fitted a, a chiller unit for us, and it, it keeps it nice and cold. And if it does break, they're only across the road to come and fix That's it. That's fantastic. Did you guys build that yourself, or did you get people to come in and build the units 
four years? The, the... I built the timber unit myself. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I've built the timber structure. Um, uh, you know, my, my dad's in the building trade, so, you know, he, he came and uh, supervised what I was doing. Um, it's, it's easy to get people to help when you've got beer, isn't it? <laughs> well, people, people seem to uh, want to come and support you. Um, and, you know, we've been very fortunate with that, certainly with the electrics and things like that. You know, one of our regulars is an uh, electrician, and he's come and supported us in uh, different bits of the project that we've done. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's about asking around and going around. As as we as we were going around, um, taking photos of other people's cold stores, you know, looking at what they were doing and showing it to other people and saying, "Can we do this? Can we, what what works there?" And that had a big impact, you know, being able to just pick other people's brains. And feel free not to answer this if you don't want to. Have you got a rough idea of of how much it costs you to set up the cold store? I'd, roughly. I would have said that the coal still cost me about three thousand pounds to oh, set wow. up. Uh, yeah, so you know, I was quoted from uh, from one local company that they wanted twelve thousand okay. pounds. Um, you know, for, for for the size of cold store I needed, I thought that was a you know a lot. Of yeah, um, and it's a lot to get back. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I looked into you know, how can I do this myself? What can we do? Fabulous. And put it together. Very impressive. Yeah. That's the end of my cold store questions. Mike, back to you. Okay, so my, my question is, um, of how do you choose your breweries? You must have a lot of breweries coming to you and sort of saying, please, can I be on your list? Um, su- surprisingly, uh, n- very few actually contact us direct. Um, that might be because they don't know us. Well, well that, that's because, uh, yeah, know, because we're know. not a... We're not a massive, a massive company at the mm. moment, so yeah, we still, we are still getting our name out there. Um, we're known quite well locally within the pubs, but maybe not so much with the breweries. But with me, having worked in the trade from being eighteen, I know quite a few brewers nationwide. Um, so I kind of went to people I'd worked with previously to to buy beer, uh, and and breweries that I've had had myself at the pub or at other pubs and gone i really like that beer so i then approached them and told them who we are and said i'd, I'd like to buy your beer um because i don't i don't want to stop beer that i don't want to drink myself that's the that's the key thing in the natural order of things right you'll have surely breweries reaching out to wholesalers and what is it that makes a brewery attractive to a wholesaler um th- they have a decent range of different beers if i if I go to a or a brewery approaches me and says, "I've only got two different beers in cask," I'll be like, "Well, I can't I can't take nine of each on a pallet because I might sell five of each to the pubs and then be be left with four going out of date." Um, I generally tend not to try and order more than six of the same beer, um, and if it sells really well, I will I will go back to them and say, "Can I have?" can you put me six of these aside and in a month's time I will add to that order and I'll have another pallet from you. Uh, there's a few breweries now where we basically say to them, right, I want four of these, four of these, four of these every month. Just just, just keep sending them to me. Um, that that re- works really well. The flip side of that coin is, okay, you get the wholesalers to take our beer, for example. What then yeah. makes it attractive to the pub? What then makes the pub take it from you? Um, a lot of our pubs are geared around beer tickers. I don't know if you've come across beer tickers yet, but they're the train spotters of the beer world. Um, 
as a they're the guys that turn up first to every beer festival yeah to make sure something's not run out yeah with the notepads and writing down the, the beers that they they've had and they'll only ever have a half um and they'll only have the beer once so from your perspective as a new brewery that is a a massive thing for getting beer out there in the first instance that there are people out there that will go and search out new breweries they've never had before and new beers they've never had before uh, just to just to tick them off um but yeah so that, so us getting beers in that haven't really been in the area before uh, works really well for us um because there are four or five maybe six pubs locally that if they've never had it before will buy one instantly um so that's that's always one way of doing it. The other one is um, just beer that's really consistently good, um, that people know when they have it, it's going to be really good all the time, and that all they're they're the beers that work well as well. But surely, hang on a second. Just, just a question. The tickers, I get that right, because they're they're sort of the early adopters of the beer world. But surely pubs yeah. aren't going to take those based on the fact somebody's going to have a half and then never have another one, right? But, What's gonna, what gives it's, it's, that surprising how they, it's surprising how they move them from pub to pub to pub and they'll talk about your beer and they'll put it out there that you know we've had that we've been there we tried that um the amount of people that, um that come into us um you know in, into our little micro pub um and talk about the breweries that they've had and you know we'll have a beer on let's say it's from on the Wirral at the minute um we're getting quite a few beers from there um, and they they're coming in and saying, yeah, but did you have such and such a brewery or did you do so and so? Have you seen this one? Have you been to these people? Um, I had this beer on this place. It's absolutely amazing. And the network of these people and the way that they're talking to each other and communicating um, is is fantastic. They're they're all after the next thing. They're all after the next um, new beer, the new brewery, the new you know. And once it's good, once it's a consistent beer, everybody's on it. Um, and that, that's that's moving around. I mean, we're picking up so many beers from Liverpool at the minute, uh, bringing them back to ourselves, and then we're taking them off to uh, Bridlington, or they're going down to Red- Reading or wherever. And these are beers from Liverpool moving around the country, um, which are really really uh, important for these other little micro pubs to get involved in. How do you find pubs to sell to? Is it ones you've got contacts with, or or are you approaching people? Having worked in sales before, I, as you do, you kind of inherit contacts when you take over from the previous salesperson. Um, that was always good. Um, drinking the local contacts, it's through drinking locally more than anything else. Um, having a, a ride round and visiting a few pubs on a on a day off, that's how I got most of my local contacts. Going and introducing myself face to face and having having a drink with the person. Um, further afield um other other breweries really um i've got quite a few brewery friends that have helped me out if they're in that area we're not going to take any trade away from them uh, because we're not we won't sell their beer into the area that they're in if that makes sense um but we will let's say we're going up to north yorkshire we'll take beer from liverpool or reading or our own local area up there um, and if we take a full van up, we will come back with a full van from their brewery. Right. Oh, nice. So basically, we have a separate mailing list for different areas of the country. Um, so we'll basically say, right, on this date, in four weeks' time, we are coming. 
um, and people will pre-order and I'll send them another list and another list like every week until we come in and eventually sometimes we get a full van to go up and sometimes we don't but if we're picking up to bring beers back to the local area if it if it pays pays for the day to go out and come back the beer we take's worth it because the stuff we bring back we make the profit on plus I get to have fish and chips at Seaside <laughs> <laughs> well that's a sad experience where's got the best fish and chips Richard um, at Scarborough Oh, oh, nice. I like Scarborough. I disagree. <laughs> what would you say, Tom? My favourite chip shop, it's in a rude place name as well. It's called Wet Wang. Um, yeah. Where's Wet Wang? It is. Fish it is. chips at Wet Wang, yeah. They are good. Yeah. I used to live Where, in... Whereabouts is Wet Wang? Uh, it's on the road from Bridlington back towards Hull. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh... We, we go to a couple of breweries at a, a place called Moulton, which is between York and Scarborough. So there's a there's a, a, a lovely um, setup uh, in, in the middle of Moulton. Um, they're absolutely fantastic people as well. So you know, picking beers up from them and being able to bring them back down south is has always been a, a a good selling point for us because as soon as the people see them on our list, they'll buy one of those and then they'll buy something else at the same time. So you know, having that variety for um, pub landlords to be able to pick out of is quite important to us. What advice would you give for us? I'll tell you, I'll tell you where we are in the um, in our development. We've done a few collaboration beers, but we're looking to get to the next point of um, brewing our own beers. We've, we've been, stuff that we've been home brewing. We've got got the hang of it, sort of thing, and, and we've got products that we like. We want to get to the next stage. The brewing of it, I don't think, is going to be a problem. We've got enough breweries that we know that we could go to and use their facilities in Gypsy Brew or Cookie Brew or whatever to get it made but what we're trying to work out is what is the best distribution option for us because the options basically we either need to get a premises with a cold store hence all the cold store things and then distribute yeah. distribute things ourselves or we need to try and partner with someone who will take the beer and a lot of it in cans a lot of things will be direct to consumer sort of thing and do all that. Have you got any thoughts on, from your experience or knowledge in the industry, what you think would be a good move for us? I would, I would always say um, your local distribution. So I know you're yeah. Norwich based. So um, however many miles you want to drive, really, um, try and keep your local distribution in house. Um, breweries I've worked for, keeping that customer relationship with the brewery and the local the local pubs always works really well um further afield um so if you was to have a wholesaler that did for instance the northeast one that did the northwest one that did the midlands one that did london and one that did the southwest um and have somebody that's willing to take um x amount of cask or keg or cans per month um that's that's the way to to go it and uh, get them to uh, either agree to, to take X amount of beer um, or to start with just sell to uh, as many or well, not as many different wholesalers as you can that would be some wholesalers would get a bit funny about that if you sold to a wholesaler sure. next door or something um, but yeah try and get it out to as many different regions as you can because the, the further it reaches the bigger the bigger it, it gets if we're pitching to those wholesalers do you literally just rock up and say hey we've got this great beer you should take this and you should 
shift it for us. Uh, more or less, yeah, that, that's it. Um, th- there is there's normally, uh, for wholesalers buying beer, um, a percentage discount. Um, you work out, so if you was to buy 12 casks or kegs, you get this amount discount. If you buy 18, it's this amount. If you buy 36, it's this amount. Um, and then, basically, the way they do it, they'll see if that fits in within their price price bracket of what they think they can sell it for, and then they'll order it if if they think they think they can. Did you say most of yours would be canned as well? Well, at the minute, a lot of stuff we do is direct to consumer because we've got quite a big audience of people who watch our stuff yeah. so it's sending things out so i mean imagine yeah. in the future we'd i mean a lot is going into keg now sort of thing but it, it's just us trying to work out because it's a big jump at the minute from going where we're partnering with breweries and they're doing all of the distribution through their own channels they're already established yeah. it's working out whether we try and find someone who will handle the distribution so we can get the stuff sent straight from the brewery to us and we never really touch it or whether it's worth us hiring uh renting a, a light industrial unit putting in a cold store and yeah. and being more hands-on and with being it your own distributor well yeah or, or at least hold, holding the stuff and and working with yeah. dist- distributors or wholesalers and yeah. career companies to ship direct to consumer stuff or whether it's um and then, but then that brings on all the licensing stuff like that, which I imagine is pretty simple once you've got it sorted out. But it, it's it's another level it's just of a complexity. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we've seen we've seen breweries that have gone from um, purely cask breweries um, through you know their evolution, and now uh, the majority is can, um, and to the point now where ninety five percent of their sales are actually abroad. Um, you know they're going to Scandinavia, um, and that that you know there, there are companies now that are picking up British beers because it can ship it out to these places. Um, fantastic rates for the for the brewery as well, so it's it's doing quite well. Uh, you know they they're pushing out twenty thousand cans plus per right. month. Yeah, and and that that's way some some breweries have gone, but it's then you know you you contact one of these um, suppliers. And they'll just go and pick everything up from you. As it's brewed, it's gone. Fantastic. Interesting stuff. Um, d- tell us about the micro pub then. How was that setting that up when you first started to do it? Um, a lot harder than we first thought. Uh, it was very naive, I think is the word, to how easy. It was one of the, uh, the famous Jeremy Clarkson things. How hard can it be? Um, <laughs> sort of thing so uh, we started it um in april of 2019 we got the keys to the the place and in our heads we thought we'll be open by end of may yeah be open next month yeah no no. um i think it was the 15th of august we finally opened um uh we didn't we didn't realize that changing a, a shop to a pub could be so so difficult in in the planning department um Local councils. Change, and... change of use with local councils seems to be um, seems to be fought with problems. You know, they, they, they'll come up with all sorts of different scenarios that you then have to um, set up a, a you know, how am I going to jump through that hoop now? Um, right. And then once you've done that, then you have to get the license for the property. So it's two separate things. So change of use and license were, were the major obstacles. 
Um, but yeah, the actual setting up again, people coming in and supporting us was fantastic. Um, you know, we've got this, we've got that, we've got the other, um, and and just you know, they they really wanted us to succeed. Yeah, we uh, setting up. We we built a a bar out of old pallets. Uh, with the, the the top of the bar was uh, a roofing joist cut in half and put side by side. Um, the hand pulls um, came out of a pub I used to work for. That some of them worked, some of them didn't. Um, so we fixed some. Like we had nine of them and made four work. Um, the keg font to start with, we thought it worked and it didn't. Uh, opening night, no no keg. Uh, at all um the chiller unit wouldn't create ice because we bought it second hand uh off facebook um all the chairs and tables were bought off facebook marketplace um and th we've only just replaced them actually this weekend that's how long they've lasted um and then we kind of opened very rudimentary it was not not fantastic and then I think over two years We've just gone. Ah, oh, that needs doing. We'll do this. And it's then... the same. We've just we've just evolved it. We've we've just moved things around to you know. Same with the wholesale business. Um, you know, if you I think if you go with one set idea, um, it's always going to uh, be you know you you're always going to then find problems. And if you're not you know if you're too rigid, then you can't sol solve that. Um, you know, I, when Tom was setting up the pub. The reason the pub's called Tom said is because when I walked into the bars where Tom worked, nobody nobody actually knew what they were drinking. He'd walk, I'd walk in and say, well, "What are you drinking?" Well, Tom said, and you know, it's that selection of beers that we've we've kind of run run both businesses off. You know, Tom says that this beer is good, and it is. You know, Tom says this beer is right for you, and it generally is. So you know, um, that that's kind of how we've tried to push both businesses. Sounds to me like an episode of the A-Team, you know, where they got locked in a barn with an old tractor and a couple of pieces of wood and yeah. they transform her into an armoured personnel yeah. carrier. Very much uh, like that, yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> fabulous, fabulous. Tom said micropile, quickly, where is it? We should, we should give it a, a quick plug. It's in Ripley in Derbyshire. Um, just a, it's a small market town. Um, so the, the pub sits about 20 people. You know, it's uh, uh, we, we we're looking to put bifold doors on the outside now, so we can uh, extend out into a little bit of a car park we've got. <laughs> but the, it's a bit of a cunning solution, this though, for you, isn't it? Though, because it doesn't it serves you a dual need, doesn't it? You know, you've got all this beer. If you can't shift it, where can we put, yeah. it? put, it, through, put it through the pub? Yeah. Um, it, it's also you'd think it'd work like that, but I end up hand picking the beers I want on in my pub before I offer them out to other pubs when actually it should be the other way around and I put the stuff that doesn't sell on in my own pub um, but no I, I, I seem to be a little bit OCD about what beers are on in the pub There's some of the bigger breweries that we don't actually um, wholesale ourselves um, you know some of the bigger names that are out there at the minute you know we, we still want to put them on so we, we still go and fetch them uh, we have them delivered from other wholesalers yeah. uh, you know to, to Tom said uh, that that goes that way, but the the other avenue is that with the wholesale business, we now um, open it up once a month as a pop up bar, um, you know, a bit of music on and some street food, 
and people are really really enjoying that you know they've started to come along to that and then this weekend it's going to be a beer festival so we've actually gone around and selected beers pallets of beers from people that we actually wanted to put on at our beer festival sold the rest of the palette and just kept and, the ones we wanted just kept the ones that we wanted so we're going to pull that out this weekend i may have gone a little bit mental on the ordering for the beer festival <laughs> <laughs> definitely have yeah. fantastic What's on? What's on? Putting on the spot here. What's on tap at the minute at the pub? Oh well, we've just we, we don't open Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, but this weekend we had. Ooh, what did we have? Um, well, we had one of yours on. Yeah, we we had one that I'd brewed myself on. Nice. Um, I do a, I do a little bit of cuckoo brewing, but not not a great deal. But three beers a year, something like that. Um, Blue Bee. We had Blue Bee Triple Op from Sheffield. Peerless Triple Blonde from the Wirral, Birkenhead. Then we had Team Toxic. What was it called? Oscillating Wildly. No, we didn't have Oscillating Wildly. I can't remember what it called. Are only this, do you? Oh, um, Cryo Hop Pale. What was it called? Wise Up Sippers. Five and a half Cryo Hop IPA. Uh, oh, Wild Weather from Reading. Um, Sleepy Joe's Bitter. And that was the cask lineup, and then the keg lineup. We had elusive elementum, four point two right. citra pale, um, moncada, notting hill oatmeal stout. So oh, bearing, it's your birthday, beetroot sour. Uh, that was a bit lively, a bit difficult to pour. It's, I'll be honest. Was it? It's amazing we're having this conversation, isn't it? Can you imagine us having yeah. this conversation five years ago? It's like, yeah, I've got, you know, wet, wet wang double IPA. Fish and chips IPA. Yeah, it's extraordinary. We normally have, so always at the pub, we've only, we've got five keg lines. One's always got the house lager on it. We're brewing our first lager over in Stavanger this week with Lervig, so yeah. we'll be joining the lager world. So, are you um, going over for the brew, or is it? We a... are, yeah. We're going to go over and, yeah. and and get involved. We're going on right. on Wednesday, back on Friday, yeah. Flying visit. Um, yeah. So yeah, well, wonderful. Well, that's what I did. Any other questions, Michael? Yeah, one more question, right? If you were us and you were pitching Binday Brewing to a wholesaler. How would you do it? Ooh. Literally, what would your pitch be? Off, just off the top of your head, you are today Robbie Knox, pitching Binday Am Brewing I, to a wholesaler. I think you're ahead of commercial, Mike, so that's probably you. I, th I think the, the one thing that you really got to put in there, and, and it, it comes across with, you know, with this um, podcast thing that you're doing at the moment, is, is your passion to make a product that people are going to want to sit and enjoy. That's the that's what what really comes through with the people that we go back to. I mean, we deal with quite a few, and, and you know, there's not many we don't go back to, but we go back to them because of their passion, because of their interest in the brew itself, and that comes through from what you're doing at the moment. So, if I was pitching your product, it would be about your passion for that product, um, you know, and your interest in the in the actual process of where it comes from and where it goes to. Um, and that's that's really really important. Um, the, I met a great guy, Melton Mowbray, the other day, um, and his passion for his product was absolutely fantastic. 
And when I was um, out on Saturday night, so I went to uh, Nottingham Saturday night, his product was on in a bar I went to. And unfortunately, the, um, the staff in the bar didn't know how to serve it. So he's got a kegged beer on, a 7.4 goes. Um, and it's an absolutely fantastic product. And she poured it into a straight half pint glass. Now, all, all the life's then taken out of it. There's no life in there. So I had to explain to this, uh, you know, young lady that, that this is, have you, could you pass me one of those glasses and could you pour me one into there? And just to show her what the difference was, you know, because I, I, I felt that that was really, really important because of what this guy, um, his name's Combi. Uh, he's, he's a fantastic guy down in Melton Mowbray. Um, and, and the passion that, that he'd expressed to me, you know, in, in his, uh, you know, half an hour, three quarters of an hour that we were together. And I just thought this needs to carry on through. This needs to carry on right through to the customer. And that doesn't need to be lost. Fabulous. Fabulous. Just out of interest, yeah. how long, well, I've, never, I've never thought about this. How long does a keg traditionally last if you have put a keg on at a pub? Is it gone in days? Is it weeks? Is it months? Um, so kegs at our place some of them can be quite slow uh, yeah but yeah so some of them can be yeah slow uh, so some can be a week may, maybe 10 days um we have a permanent imperial stout line that has to be a stout above 10 percent um and that will generally be a week to 10 days um but then we'll have a session ipa line and i can put a keg on and if it's a busy friday or saturday Two hours, right. three hours. It can also be down to the temperature outside. So you know, through through the summer, we we put very few dark beers on, um, apart from on you know the the MP on the keg. Um, but last week we put a bitter on for the first time in a few months, um, and that was the first to sell out. Right. And I think it's, it is just down to the temperature. It's down to how people are feeling, and people are very very seasonal drinkers. Yeah, I know um, I am. I, I don't touch a porter of stout in the summer. <laughs> But but come Christmas no. time, I'm involved. Yeah, come November. Yeah, yeah. And and that's from from a wholesale point of view, it's understanding that it's you know we we couldn't have got really many darks um, off our you know off our brew list because they just weren't putting them out. It was it was IPAs, it was pales, it was goldens, you know that they were there through the summer. Um, and now there are more bitters creeping into there. There's a few milds now creeping in. Certainly a few more porters. Um, uh, it's it's a real, it's a real real evolving process for for brewers to be able to put that out there, then for the wholesale to be, pick that up and then shift as I say, shift it onto the customer, and it's you know it's great to be part of that. Fabulous, wonderful. Well, look, yeah. thank you so much for chatting to us. It's been absolutely fantastic. We're actually coming up to uh, Bakewell at some point in the future to um, visit our our previous previous podcast guest Jim Mathis. That's not a million miles from where you guys are, is it? Is it? Think, oh, well, no, uh, I reckon I did. About, about 10, 15. About yeah, 10 or 15 miles. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So we can come and pop down then and um, and pop in for, for a pint at the pub while we're there and say hello. So absolutely wonderful. Um, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, guys, for chatting to us. It's been an absolute joy. And thank you for sharing information. And we'll, and we'll see, you, see you at the pub for a, a pint of beetroot sour. Yes, that's good. <laughs> Fantastic. See you later. See you in a bit. Cheers. Bye bye. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers, guys.
They were great, Mike. What weren't they? What nice guys. Fascinating guys. And do you know what? It's it's great to hear people who are just sort of throwing themselves into their own project, starting basically from scratch and doing so well just because, you know, for their, their passion and hard work, you know, so brilliant. Yeah, fabulous, fabulous. It may, it, it, it's, it's not solved any questions, but it's given us more, almost more questions of what the best route to go is. And it is whether we find someone to do all the distribution thing or whether we do bite the bullet and hire a light industrial unit that's for some fairly cheap cheap places around and and it's sort of within it's not an outrageous amount of money to set up a cold store i know there's a lot of hassle around it as well but it does it does just it makes you think doesn't it so yeah and i've been looking into this and there are some the the beer industry is is digitizing it seems to me probably more slowly than other industries but there are there are services out there that will you know you can just chuck in a whole load of details into the internet and they'll appear and take your cans and then whisk them off to the off to the wholesalers so i think those, those options exist and i think you know it's it's up to well people like us to really get stuck into that kind of stuff and and, and make the most of it we're definitely going for a, a um a uh, pint at their micro pub when we're up that way in the near future, Tom said, "Micropub." Exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah, fabulous. And we're also we also um, uh, we're out and about this month. We're on to whilst the S forty three beers are still selling, we are on to our next brew as well. We're going to Lavanga, uh, Lavanga, in Stavanger, Lavanga, Lavanga, um, in Stavanger. Where we're going to be brewing our first ever lager. Are you excited about that, Mike? I'm really excited about that. Whole 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 new place, whole new process. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really exciting. Okay, super. Um, so that's what we've got coming up. Um, as I say, from now on, um, the Yes, I Can Brewery will be an audio-only podcast, but it does mean it'll be easier to do, so we can do it um, probably more regularly, as in once a week rather than once a couple of weeks, if, if we so desire. Um, and, and yeah, so thank you very much um, for for listening. Uh, if, you, if you can be bothered, write us a review on whatever platform you are, and it, it helps the podcast get to more people. And um, any questions? drop us an email hello at bindebrewing.com yeah and as as today's episode has shown the golden spreadsheet of glory is in full flow so you know anything you want to suggest to us any tips or hints you have any anything you do that you think you know we might be able to do together just drop us a line hello at bindebrewing.com thank you very much cheers bye mike say bye bye robbie bye everyone bye